0: Good morning, everybody. <laughs> <clears throat> like, how do you not worship? <clears throat> and you obviously got to save yourself a little bit when <laughs> you preach. And in the back of a, of a game like last night, oh my word. Any case, but I don't know. I don't know. I just have this, like, a little bit of, you know, hint of nervousness about just preaching this word. Um, and this, you know, the word also said there's nothing new under the sun, if you think well, I don't know, I don't know how many like, poof, new revelations can we get. But I hope this morning, you know, we always say it. Yeah, that maybe walk out of this place differently, you know, to how we to how we entered into it. And um, you, you, most of you know my two boys, Ethan and Joel. They are eight and six years old, and they're at the stage where, you know, obviously kids at school. There's different kind of games that they're playing, and every day. <laughs> not every day, almost every day, maybe every day, they come home from school, or you know, they spend some time with some mates, and it's like, oh, Papa, did you know, like, uh, you know, there's this little, like, what's your favourite character? I'm like, what, what, David? Don't... No, man, no, Papa, not that character. It's this game or that game. So we don't, we're not big on the games, but obviously, you know, they speak to friends and, <laughs> and, uh, anyhow, so they've got these characters, and then they keep on telling about their special powers. Um... And, and look, I'm a guy. I grew up with uh, with uh, TV games and stuff as well. Uh, there was a stage in my life that I was pretty addicted to it. So I just had to cut it clean. I mean, there's just no chance, opportunity for that. Uh, you know, um, I do believe I've I've gotten there. Um, but I remember, like when you're into gaming, or you know, into a game, these characters get more strength and power and health. And uh, can can you relate? Are they at least most of us? Okay, these games with powers because always there's a battle to fight and there's a victory and you know you want that accolade i've defeated this guy and that guy and i don't know it's it's maybe it's just a guy thing um but uh, i was thinking about that because it's not only that you know their brains move on to other things like oh dad if you could have a superpower what would it be and then you have to play would you rather be invincible or would you be invisible so now you know we're driving somewhere, and this is the game you play. Like, oh my word! Okay, you know. Or they think of the Fantastic Four. You know, would you want to be the stretchy mom, or would you be the super fast little kid? Or you know, so there's this, and I think there's something about that fantasy of like, oh, you can. Oh, what if you could hold your breath forever? You didn't need to breathe. You could breathe underwater, or you could fly. You know, superpowers and stuff like that, and. And and as I was preparing this and just looking, and um, man, I I realized that there is a power that we've each been given, which we don't actually see it as a power, but my word is powerful. And imagine I gave you a loaded revolver or pistol. It's loaded. Hammer's back. If you put your finger on that trigger a little bit, there's power, there's potential power in that thing to destroy. Um, And each one of us have been given a power. And the topic that I'm preaching on is, well, the title is, You've got the power. <laughs> wow. you've, you've got the power. And it's about the power of our words. Um, and, and, and I'm going to start with Proverbs. And we're going to do quite a little bit of Proverbs. You know, there's a lot of wisdom, and the Word says a lot about words. Um, but there's three main things I want to cover for us. But this is by means of an introduction to the power of our words. It says this very clearly. In Proverbs eighteen twenty-one a Sorry, Mike. We'll get to this one. Uh, I will read it in the meantime. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. That's a massive statement. And that's from the Word. If you think about that, if someone says, what is your per, you know, party trick? Or, what's your, what is your special ability? I don't know, I've got... I've got life and death in my tongue. Well, we don't we don't come up with that, <laughs> huh? But if you ever if you ever get asked that question again, now you yeah, have you can answer this. It's like did you know? You know when at school was a like, gift yes, my bar. You know my dad is so strong. You know and there's that we always played those games. But do you, do, you, do you know what I've got? I've got I've got power. And it's for life or death in my tongue. But I've got it, and each one of us is we have it. And this, because there's life and death, man, this is why I want to talk about this topic this morning. We've all been given it, and we all get to choose how we use it. It's your choice. I can't force you. I can do anything. God gave you a tongue. He gave you free will, and there's things that you can do with that thing, and we'll go into it. But let's just balance that. We've been given power, but Matthew 12:36. It's very clear, and it says, Matthew 12, 36, I don't have, oh, you know what, that's a late edition, that's a late, mic. thank you, but it says this, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they spoke, and now that puts things in perspective, not only have we been given incredible power, but we're also going to be, have to give an account for what we've been given and the words that we speak. So, you know, all of a sudden it's nice to have the power, but, ooh, hold on. It's like, you know, God entrusting us with something very, very powerful and precious. We're going to have to give an account. And if you're taking notes, that's Matthew 12:36, And that's a, I mean, that's obviously, that's a real thing. So, words can not only utter my mouth, or come from my mouth, but it can change people, it can change companies, it can change nations, and it can change the history. So I want to I'm going to delve into that a little bit. Now, words have got consequences as we speak them. There's positive and negative. Something we teach our boys, there's good consequences, but there's bad consequences. You you want to stay away from that. Now, in the history, and again, this is such a massive topic. We could go anywhere, but I feel like there's three things and, and we're going to get there. But our words, in a positive way, and I want you to cast your mind. Now, we're not American, but we all have heard probably of Martin Luther King. Okay, The famous four words in his speech on uh, the day of August 28th, 1963 in Washington. Who can, who can shout it out? Trevor, you win a hug afterwards. <laughs> From the cattle, cattle master. But that's what he said. I have a dream. Because four words, four words spoken in 1963 that made new laws. And By the way, what did this speech stand for? What did he do? I had to go look at because those are powerful words. And it said the following, and this is just a few points. It was to end racial segregation and discrimination. Amen. Overcome racial hatred and division. Amen. Ensure voting rights for African Americans because they couldn't vote. Same, similar thing here. Amen. Foster racial harmony and brotherhood. Of course. And the last one, emphasize the power of love, faith, and hope in achieving social change. Isn't that beautiful? I believe he was also a lay, a lay pastor, you know, pastor, a preacher. In any case, I'm not promoting Martha King. I'm saying the words that he spoke on a day in 1963 to a crowd of people that had the ripple effects in history um, and a nation, which was absolutely incredible. And then there's maybe a, uh, another guy that I want to highlight, the power of words. And this was actually not this person. His name is Jack Walsh. He's the ex-CEO and, of General Electric. Again, another American guy. it's not... Too many South Africans have said phenomenal things, so we will sticking with you, other than Sean, you know, other than Rusty. Um, no. Okay, but he was, just so if you don't know, so Jack Walsh, I mean, I know I read his book, it's like this thing, this was many, many years ago, because I love business and marketing and sales, that kind of thing, uh, and he was a ruthless leader and stuff, but he was the CEO from, uh, from General Electric, which was a small little company, really, well, I say small, but from 81 to 2001, 20 years. Okay, He took the company from $27 billion to $130 billion, massive one man, and he had lots of different strategies of how he did that, but Jack Walsh wasn't this powerhouse. When he was a kid, he was, sure, he was shy, um, he was not confident at all, he stuttered in fact. He had a very, very bad stutter. So you can imagine you have a stutter at a school. Kids ridicule you. They, you know, they tease you. They call you different names, all those things. And that does not bring out the confidence in you. If you have kids and that's happened to you know, one of your kids, you know what happens. They just withdraw. And I mean, it's terrible. It's terrible as a parent to deal with that. But his mom, and I even love her name because his mom's name is Grace. Man, that woman changed his life. And the one piece of wisdom, and as I read the book, I was like, oh my word, this was incredible. Um, She told him, she said, you know, my boy, why you stutter? Now, how would you encourage your your kid? Just take a moment. How would you encourage him? Probably do the good Christian thing, you know, Jesus with you. Don't worry. You're going to be okay. But man, she thought, she said, you know what, Jack? You know why you stutter? No. She your brain is so fast, your mouth can't keep up with it. (laughs) And that was the kind of encouragement that this mom gave her kid, not knowing what he's going to become, just knowing that he's desperate. I mean, he, you know, he's, if she doesn't intervene, and that is, those are the words that he hung and he clung to. And how, how beautiful is that? So every time he started, he was like, you know, what, actually, my brain can't keep up with my mouth. And that gave him confidence. And eventually, that obviously grew, and, you know, you have to even put that into perspective. But parents, we have unbelievable power over our kids with our words to destroy to build up to encourage and we should use it wisely we too are going to give an account you know often when we have to you know dash uh, deal you know, deal consequences uh, to one of the boys we have to sit them down and say my boy god gave you in our care we love you and we need to prepare you for life out there because one day you're gonna you know god willing you're gonna be a man, and you're going to have a family, and you're going to do things, and it's it's our job. We need to we need to help you. So it's not always going to be like a fun, you know, can't have sweeties all day long, and you can't just do what you want to do, and so we, but our words, it can destroy. Okay, so that is a great, great um, tool that we have. And of course, there's not just with kids and parents, but you know, adults with another couples and so forth. And there's lots of positives we can we can pick up on, and many things in history that changed things for the better. But then unfortunately, there's the flip side. There's the life side of things and there's the death side of our words. Now when I say this name, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Adolf Hitler. What positive thing springs to mind? Literally nothing, right? So this man had a manifesto, it was called Mein Kampf, it's called Mein Kampf, um, uh, published in 1925. And this was basically all his political ideology in paper which he then enforced and, you know, with different tactics and whatnot. But the result of his words, look, six million plus Jews were killed. Guys, how insane is that? six million people because of a belief that was verbalized and there was you know in, in his speeches and you you know you probably know the probably see pictures of, of you know videos of him doing these speeches indoctrinating and that's the power of words six million Jews and that's horrible and then you you look at someone like a Joseph Stalin. You've probably heard of a Joseph Stalin also a political leader And he did this speech in 1934 and was called The Great Purge. And he did many other things. And you thought Hitler was bad. And then you realize what Joseph Stalin did. Killed more than 20 million people. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. And the ways they did that and executed on that was just, wow. Um, Yeah, absolutely horrendous. Um, So there's a lot of negative things which, you know, I don't want us to go into. But that's just a bit of a teaser. But not only can we look at those things and the results, ultimately we want to turn to what God thinks about words. And he has a lot to say. I'll just quickly mention four and then we can go into a little bit more detail. It says in Proverbs 15.1, it says a soft word turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. In Proverbs 17.28, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Proverbs 20, uh, 19, whoever goes about slandering, reveal secrets, therefore do not associate with a simple babbler. Proverbs 21, 23, whoever keeps or guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Now there's a lot to words. This is just a few little scriptures, you know, in, um, uh, in Proverbs. But wouldn't you say that uh, just looking at those highlights, a good statement to live our lives by, to say... A wise way to live is to be careful with our words. If there's that power in the words that we speak, that could have those kind of effects, surely. I mean, if you have to drive a car, I'm just thinking of that now, but if you have to drive a car, it's a big responsibility. I can't give my six year old that that responsibility. You can kill people. You know, there's theory. You first be a certain age and then do the, what's it, K53 or 54, and then you've got to go, you know, do your license and, and then you qualify. If You've done everything correctly. But my word, we get to do this without any license, any approval anywhere. So a wise way to live is to be careful with our words. And there's the three aspects that I want us to delve into for being wise and careful with words. The first one is what we say. Because what we say matters. Proverbs 21, 23, and we just touched on it in, in a, a moment ago. It says, whomever guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. And to guard us to be careful, okay? So what we say, the, the Scripture is very clear. Whoever guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. If you want to stay out of trouble, do that. What we say is very, very important. Proverbs 12, 18. There is one whose rash words are like swords thrust, thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Rash means without careful consideration. So look, by the way, these things are very easy to project onto others. It is easy to apply this to someone else's life. <laughs> what we say. Oh, man, if they... What? If they only... But may I challenge us that we look through these things, the filter, and apply it to our lives. What we say. Now, an unguarded tongue is a dangerous weapon. Can you in your mind just think for a moment? Massive sword. You know, just wielding that puppy, walking through a crowd. Imagine I had a, imagine I had a, a super sharp sword over here. Say that fast seven times. Um, you know what I mean? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just waving that puppy. What would you do? You would hit the deck and like, see, Papa would tackle me. You know, like even last night. I mean, but, but you will not allow that. Imagine you walk into a mall in a big crowd. Now, swords maybe is out of context for us, but maybe it's a loaded gun. And I'm trigger happy. That will never happen. Isn't this what this verse is saying? A rash word. It's like a sword thrusts. Man, I don't know. We, we again, we don't have the context, uh, you know, on this because we've just maybe seen glimpses of three hundred, and that was scary enough. But imagine this in real life, cousin. We have that. This is part of what we have, if we are not careful. We have to carefully consider our words, otherwise it's like this. And that thing hurts. There's no there's no healing from thrusting your sword. This is only damage. Okay. So what should we guard against? It's he says that we should guard. You know, Proverbs twenty one twenty three whomever guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Lying. First one, bearing false witness. Blatant lies, but there's, there's more than just blatant lies. There's also half truths, or maybe misrepresenting the truth. Right? Coloring in. Lying. Proverbs 19:5. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will not escape. <coughs> you know, Africans we have a saying: "The wheel is round. The wheel is round. It's going to come around." I think this is maybe where they got that from. It's going to come back. You cannot escape it. You cannot go unpunished, for what a false witness. Now let's be honest. None of us are perfect in any of these, because if you want to be perfect. We will be perfect in our speech. I think there's another scripture that's not. I think there's another verse that says that. So I'm not by all, by all means. I'm not trying to condemn anybody. All I'm saying is, we've been given a power, and let us be aware of what we've been given and how to handle and treat them. The first one is what we say is critically important. And I must confess, my wifey, love you, baby. And she, no, she is there for me because I'm an ever-optimist. There isn't a half glass. It's, It's half full, man. It's like almost full. It is so close to the full, it's half. You know, there's, that's me. But my, my 14 life, you know, which is optimistic and positive and whatnot, I see things better than what they are. I'm dying of COVID. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm okay. I'm amazing. I didn't say that. I really felt like dying. But, you know, most of my life, it, it's been like that. How are you? You're just some fantastic, man. Amazing. You know what I mean? I've got all these one-liners and sayings about how good it is. Uh, and previously, it was just to be positive and optimistic. But someone like my wifey, which is amazing. We need that. Suppose might not be a lie? But is that the whole truth? Is that exactly? You can imagine selling cars. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> we all know those second-hand car salesmen. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, and I see this kind of potential. I'll be selling this thing based on that. Like, she's like, you made that sound like this is an amazing car without any issues. I'm like, Oh, actually, yeah, now that you mention it. And then, and then you have to, like, honestly, it's amazing. And maybe you have that bend too. <laughs> but that's not the truth. And what does it say? It will no not go unpunished. I cannot escape it. We cannot escape those things. Let us be truthful and honest. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? We never have to worry about what we say because we're always telling the truth. You know? Second thing. Because, oh, let's go to Ephesians 4.25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one of another. So notice what it says. It's not saying don't speak the truth or just speak the truth in love. We have to speak. There's stuff in the world that we have to speak about. It's not comfortable. It's not convenient. You know, the world is saying one thing, et cetera, et cetera. We have to speak the truth. So what? You know, what? Truth. Let's not lie. Let's put away the falsehoods. And we'll do it in a nice way. Second thing, gossip and slander. Maybe it's two. Gossip, what is it? In case you forgot, a person who reveals personal or sensational facts about others. You don't have the whole truth. You don't know it. Maybe it's hearsay. I'm not exactly what you see, Did you hear? And again, we know this. We know this. We know we shouldn't. It feels good. You know, and the mom's like, I've got juicy information, but you don't have to go to X or Twitter. I kept you covered. I know what's going on like in the lives. Imagine. No, man. Gossip. Don't reveal personal facts and things about people. It's not our place. Slander. Any derogatory statement, true or untrue, to diminish and or harm another person, intentionally or unintentionally. That's a big one. Slander is big. It's not godly. And it's not wise. And it will not go unpunished. We have to get this right. We have to. We can't lie, can't gossip, can't slander. You know what's the favorite place for this to happen? Face to face. Not. People don't say things to your face anymore. It's better to say it behind your back on Facebook. Huh? We've heard about it. We've seen it. Warriors on Facebook. This guy, I mean, if you picture this person in your mind by the words that he write, it must be like a Rambo. You know, for the older... Like, what, Rambo 17, you know, because the words, and the, and he's just shooting and hand grenades, and it's cutting, and like, what, this guy's a ninja, but it's on Facebook, it's the cheap shots, it's a cop-out, there's no accountability, there's no measure, there's no nothing, it's just my opinion, whatever I think, whatever I want, I give it to you, and I'll give it to you straight, you know, I don't mean it's my words, well, how God is that? But it's not only social media. What we say and where we say it is important. Social media, social circles, it could be a casual braai, church, generally the drive from church. She <laughs> so What do you think about preach? <laughs> I can't believe that guy's got the mic. What? <laughs> That's a half truth. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, but God, honestly, words and then kids sit in the back. Oh, oh, well, that's acceptable. I can say that. Cool. Now we start mimicking, you know, gospel slander or, you know, whatever it might be. Community groups. Perfect place for me to start my ministry. And I, sure, there's a lot to be said there. We're a body of believers. If the one hurts or cause damage to it, actually the rest of us hurts. And we've heard this many times preached, yeah. But again, what am I doing? in my community group? What am I doing in this body? What am I doing at home with the kids and you know, when I have a bride? My words, what do I say? So can I give us some tips? Especially social media and maybe even, I was going to say common group, but let's get there. What should you do before you speak on forums? Yes, I'm very, I'm very careful. Honestly, for me, whew, I hardly post anything, ever. Why? Because those words, when I send it, it's gone. And, and, and is this me with a sword? Man, what am I doing? Honestly, and I promise you, that is that is the reason. But let us check. Check your heart before you start. That's a nice. So before you post something, before you share something like that, even on a group, it could maybe even be a WhatsApp group. Should I, like, why don't we check our hearts? What is my intention behind this? Do I want to uplift and encourage and build? Or do I want to... Dig at someone or something. Righteous warrior, you know? I'm just, I'm just asking. Second thing, where else did you pray before you post? To Lord, should I send this? Should I? Three, maybe someone that you trust should read it before you send it. Like often, you know, we would, <laughs> even just messages, you know, obviously we, we need to guide and help and so forth. And we will touch, we will touch base, like, hey, is this maybe, you know, it's like, maybe not that. Don't take that out. And that's good. My business partner, brilliant like this. Because, you know, it's impacting the whole team, it's a company. It's like, well, I want to say this, we want to, this is where we're going, but is this maybe like, oh, okay, no, maybe we tweak this and we tweak that. We wanted what we say to be. You know, spot on. And then, when in doubt, <clears throat> you know when I mean? some sometimes kind of, like uh, sure, and I like that man because I want to deal with things now. Like I, now, let's deal with it. I want it behind us. I don't want it there. You know what I mean? Let me just. And then, Esther would be babes. Maybe, maybe not. No. Let's let's take it easy. But when in doubt, go without. Rather, don't do it. Don't do it. I don't know who, I'm trying to think who said it. He said, no one man is that important that he can't wait one day. And I, think it was like, um, I think it was John F. Kennedy. but I could be wrong, don't, don't quote me on that. Cool. But what we say, Proverbs 17, 14. The beginning of strife is like letting out water, so quiet before the quarrel breaks out. So, Quit. Before the quarrel. So the beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the quarrel breaks out. It's just confirming what that last point says. Just when in doubt, go without. Rather not start something. Isn't that nice? How can you get water back? I was looking over here. Imagine you you take a feather pillow in this wind and you just open it up in the wind. There's zero chance we're gonna get all those little feathers back, you know? And that's basically what it's saying. So quit. You don't have to win the argument, the battle, the fight, the whatnot. Stop. Just pull the plug. (coughs) Let's look at the voice of wisdom. Proverbs 17.9. It says, whomever covers an offense seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Wow. It's not on there yet. Did I give it to you? Look at me. (coughs) Proverbs 17.9. Sorry, Mike. It's not Mike, it is me. But whomever covers an offense seeks love. An offense. It's legit. Legitimately, you have been done wrong. What's the, nice re- what's the, what's the response? Love would say, cover. But exposing it, repeating that matter, separate, separates close friends. Guys, what wisdom is this? We know this we 've probably been at the receiving end of this somewhere somehow, maybe unknowingly we 've been the cause and can you see how the enemy is in this? how our words can have massive impact in friends? Guys, this is something we should learn with our kids, with our spouses, with our families, this our family here, even when something someone says something wrong, I mean I love it, and Andrews you see? so people would come up to him and you know, say stuff, and they are dead wrong in what they're saying, the theology or whatever the case is. And I love this, something to learn. It's maybe after church or whatever the case is, it's not there to correct them now and throw theology on them, but he teaches this, things with his eyes closed. But love covers that. It doesn't have to win that argument or that battle or that nothing. Love it. Proverbs 20:19. Whomever goes with about slandering reveals secrets, and therefore do not associate with the simple babbler. Now we've just seen what slandering is all about, so we're just kind of coming back to this. Imagine we have to put this in practice. Therefore do not associate with the simple babbler. What does this one say? Yeah, okay. Of course there's ways to deal with, you know, people. If it's me slandering, there's a way that, you know us as a body can deal with those things but the net effect if someone does not want to stop we cannot actually continue associating with that person it's going to be destructive, it's going to be death, it's going to be that sword so it's not about just what we say it's also how we say it it is saying the right thing in the right way Huh? what's the attitude when we say it because we heard, God our hearts when we speak. Let's go to Proverbs 15, uh, uh, 1 to 2a. Eh? A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable. We probably all have experienced this too. There's some, it's incredible wisdom. So not just what we say, but how we say it. If you meet fire with fuel, it's going to be out of control. There's a way to take to de escalate something. It's a soft answer. It turns away the wrath, even if someone is mad. Try the opposite. What does it do? It stirs up anger. <laughs> Probably turns out in a brawl. There's no one. There's no winner there. There's gonna be just fight, fire, flames, whatever the case is. No one wins. Everybody gets bruised. Proverbs fifteen four. It says a gentle tongue is a tree of life but perverseness in it breaks the spirit a gentle tongue how are we doing with that how's our words is it mostly hard harsh and or is it gentle is it soft even for men because this is not written to women this is written to us as god's people this is the way of life this is the way to bring life how we say it is important, soft and gentle. Proverbs 15, 28, 8 says, The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. The heart of the righteous ponder. How, how stunning is that? Ponder. Think. Reflect on it. What I'm about to say, how, how am I going to deliver it? Is it going to be reactive? It's crazy. The righteous ponder. <laughs> Lord, help us. Not, not what to answer, but how. There's a way we deliver it. Cool. So it speaks to the attitude of our words, not just the content. We can say the right thing in the wrong way. And I told you about the blessing of my wifey that helps me with this. Colossians 4 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Lovely. That's that seasoning of salt. That's how a conversation should be, full of grace. Reminds me of Jack Walsh's mom. Her name was Grace. But imagine, our conversation is laced with grace, it just pours out of us. And how do you say the wrong thing if. What you're saying is filled with grace and love. It's kind of, it's difficult, eh? I don't know how it's possible. Colossians 4, six. let your conversation, oh, sorry, we just did that, sorry. Uh, Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth of love, uh, in love. We've seen this. We have to. This is where we don't avoid things, things that are wrong, things that should change, things, this is how we, we have to speak to one another. But it's laced with love. Girls, cool, so we look at That words do matter. We looked at it. It's not just what we say. It's also how we say it. And then the last one I want to cover with us is when we say it. So it's the right thing in the right way at the right time. (laughs) Is what I'm about to say, should I be saying it now? Is this the right place in the right time? Because you might have the truth and you might want to say it in a beautiful way, but my word, it is not the time right now. Hmm? (laughs) <laughs> proverbs fifteen twenty three, a person finds joy in giving an apt reply and how good or delightful is a timely word i don't know about it but i've received incredibly timely words in my life before man that's like wind of my sails it's insane uh, haven't you and how lucky is it when you speak to someone and you've timed it, you've maybe waited up, you've prayed about, whatever, and you go to that person you say, you know what, I just, and they're like, you will not believe. That is what I needed to hear now. That's exactly what I needed. And this is what the word says. So says both the hearer and the speaker is delighted by what is said. How lucky is that? You know, when we have our conversations, both is lifted up. Both is encouraged another one, Proverbs 25, 11. A word spoken at the right time is like golden apples on silver trays. Wow. How delightful. It's like, oh, it's welcome. Golden apples, silver trays, eh. but it's about the right time. We have to, we have to, we have to think about what we say, how we say it, and when we say it. And again, think about community group. Think about Church, think about having a chat with your mate. Is it the right time that I should bring this up now? Maybe there's something you've seen in someone's life, anybody's life, in your calm group, or wherever it might be. And you're like, should I say that now? A few tips on speaking in a wise way. Surrender, one, surrender the words to the control of the Holy Spirit. Our words should be surrendered to the control of the Holy Spirit, so we can pray about it, and let's ask God for wisdom. And this is Psalm 1914. It says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. That is what I pray for, for me, and I pray it for us. Let's continuously surrender to the Holy Spirit. Second thing, for speaking in a wise way, let's go to Proverbs 6, 2 to 5. It says, if you are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself. For you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go, hasten, and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Sure, man. Guys, what it speaks to here is that we've got to make right. And we have to make it right quickly. We cannot wait. We cannot delay. We cannot go sleep on it. If there is something that we've done and we've said words... What we said was wrong. Maybe how we said it wasn't right. And the timing was completely off. We have to make it right. That is a very, very urgent message. We cannot waste time. We can't sit on it. This is the kind of thing we have to make right now. There's an urgency to it. And that's the first thing. And basically, I'm I'm landing. I'm landing. But I want us to just think about that for a moment. Let the Holy Spirit help us. And this is not the people that have offended you with their words and their actions. Because love should cover that, right? We read that. We should apply that. But I want you to think right now. Just think about words that you might have spoken to someone. Maybe that person is here. I'd like to give some time for us to actually make right. But that's the first thing we have to do. We have to make right with one another. Second, well, the, the last thing is we have to make right with God. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, The one who conceals his sins will not prosper, but whomever confesses and renounces or forsakes them will find mercy. Guys, we could have done wrong in the past, and we probably have. But can we be the people that make right quickly? With one another and with God. And we'll find mercy in His sight. And then the very final thing that I want to land on. For me, the most incredible words ever spoken. John nineteen thirty, And when Jesus had received the sour wine, this is him on the cross, he said three words, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. And This is where it all basically culminates to. The word spoken... By Jesus, what is finished? The redemptive work of the cross. Jesus came for one purpose that we may know the Father. He's the way, He's the truth, He's the life. We get to the Father, we can reconcile with the Father, we can have life eternal with Him. Our names can be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, when we confess our sins, He will forgive. And for us this morning it can also be the same truth. It is finished. that old life is gone. And I want us to leave us with that. So if you've never ever received Jesus, this morning is your morning. You can. He says, "With our hearts, we believe in our mouths, we confess to unto salvation. And what that says is, Yo, Lord, I realize I realize I'm sinful." I'm separated from you. Jesus said it is finished. He paid the price. There's nothing else that can do it. No one else. There's nothing you can do. No amount of good works. Lord, I put my faith and my trust in you. You've paid it. And because of your blood, I can have life eternal. So I want to ask you, is that you? Have your sins been paid for? Every single one of them. And even the future ones. It's a serious question. And if there's anything you hear this morning, then that should be the most important thing. So I want to ask, why don't we bow our heads? Hmm? So just for a moment. Our Father, I want to thank you. Thank you this morning for a gift that we've received in terms of this tongue that we can use ultimately for good or for bad, to bring life or death. But Father, when it comes to life, you are the life giver. You are life. If we have you, we have eternal life. Lord, and I want to pray right now in the hearts of those that might not know you, that they will open, that they will hear the knock and that they will open their hearts and say, Jesus, come in. Come take your place in my life and my heart. You take control. My words, my actions, my deeds lead to death. But your actions and your words and your promises lead to life. So if you're here this morning and you want to give your life to Jesus, meaning you want to say, Lord, I'm done with sin. I need your forgiveness, your peace and your joy and life with you. Don't you want to just, while all the heads are bowed, don't you want to just Slip up your hand, if there's one. Probably the most important response in your life. Just pop up your hand. You know, we honestly do not know how long life is going to be. We all have our hopes and dreams of a long life. Only God knows the date, the time set for each one of us. But it's not only the, that line in the sand. It's the fact that we can have a life that really has God's peace. Freedom. And it's the real fun. It's the joy. It's the adventure. It is a life lived with him. You'll never have a boring moment. <laughs> even your trials become something that you I almost said, rave over that you're joyful about. So yeah, just put up your hand. If you have not made right with God, if you have not surrendered your life, there's no cost, it's a free gift. Cool. Well, in that case, I would, if you do want to talk, please come to me, come to Sean, come to anybody that you might see, maybe someone who brought you. There's nothing more important you can do. It's free for you this morning. But if I can just one last thing, just encourage us again. As we go into this day, into this week, into just into our lives, can we be the ones who consider what we say, how we say it, and when we say it? So that we can bring life and we can honor him with all that we have. Amen.